why aren't we paying more attention to it? Um, well, perhaps you could put your money where your mouth is, Christian, though, and you go ahead and do that experiment on yourself. Yeah, um, I'll pass, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> you get a nice uh, atherosclerotic <laughs> leg. Welcome to the Fat Emperor podcast. I'm your host, Ivor Cummins. We're supported by the Irish Heart Disease Awareness Charity, which advocates a simple CT scan to reveal your CAC score. So know your score and take action to prevent that premature heart attack. Everything you need to know will be right here. Hey guys, we're here at Low Carb Houston, and who do I meet on the Dr. Christian Assad? Great to see you, Christian. Likewise, yeah. pleasure. And we've, we haven't met before physically, have we? No. I don't think so. Just no. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter. Now, Christian is quite aggressive and, and outgoing on Twitter to call things as they are. And you're a cardiologist, a uh, preventative, interventional? Interventional cardiologist, but uh, with tremendous interest in prevention, no doubt. Of course, yeah. And I thought we'd talk through just a few of the big issues in cardiology and heart disease in general. No particular order, but just given your extensive experience and your insights, mm -hmm. You know, in your journey, a lot of the things you learned early on in cardiology, you've changed your mind on. A lot of the big issues you form new opinions on. So maybe we'll just run through some of those. Definitely. Um, I think one of the biggest things that have impacted in my life is when I arrived uh, to McAllen, which is where I work, it's the most obese city in the United States. And uh, Basically, what I noticed is that metabolic syndrome is strongly prevalent in, in, in the population. And then, as we start looking into the data, as most of your audience will know, it's insulin resistance plays a very important role in this, this matters. So, I started getting this feeling when I'm, I'm getting people in their 30s, 34, having STEMIs, heart attacks, blocked arteries, 38 with heart failure. And, uh, of course, they're on the medications. Is it making a significant impact? No, I mean, bottom line is no, we need to change and, and focus what is it that got them to be as sick as they are in this point. And um, one of the big controversies, which I will not get into those details, but it's LDL and statin therapy. And I think that when we, we prescribe statins as a physician, we are to a certain extent falsely reassured that the patient is going to be okay. Uh, that's not the case. I mean my patients with statins continue having their issues and LDL will play an important role in cardiovascular disease in atherogenic plaque but we also need to we cannot ignore everything else that is going around we cannot ignore the hyperglycemia we cannot ignore the different aspects of hyperinsulinemia of uh, basically making it pro-inflammatory high insulin can make your adipocytes produce more inflammatory cytokines rbp4 an inflammatory cytokine which is then going to go to your um, leukocytes to produce more interleukin 6 interleukin 1 uh, tnf alpha so we start seeing a lot of inflammation going on hyperglycemia is screwing up your glycocalyx which is basically exposing your endothelium uh, insulin alone when it's hyperinsulinemia, the anti-apoptotic effect, which for your audience is um, cell death, basically. Mm -hmm. So insulin on normal levels has a protective effect against apoptosis. When we have hyperinsulinemia, we lose that. So now we start putting a lot of things. So we're talking about endothelium, we're talking about insulinemia, and how insulin is promoting smooth muscle cell growth, so therefore a vessel that is less compliant. 
we are stimulating endothelium one production so more vasoconstrictions high blood pressure nitric oxide is not being produced adequately therefore we are decreasing vasodilation we're increasing pressure glycocalyx uh, inflammation IL-6 so we start seeing a lot of players in this setting and just saying LDL alone is going to be I mean let's target as well all the other issues and by decreasing insulin we will be correcting hyperglycemia by decreasing insulin we're going to be stimulating less absorption of water and sodium in the kidneys decreasing blood pressure which is playing a very important role in uh, in atherogenic plaque and um, hypertension so it's it's not it's not ignoring everything else. We feel falsely reassured that, hey, Staten, you're gonna be fine. But I'm not telling people not to uh, focus and ignore completely the LDL. Mm. But we need to pay equal attention, if not more, to everything mm. else that is happening. So um, I guess that answers your question. <laughs> <laughs> it tells you there's a lot to unpack there, Christian, but you're absolutely every bit of it resonates. So, yeah, so you've got your, your glycocalyx, which is the, the kind of polysaccharide protective layer mm -hmm. on the inside of your artery wall, then the endothelium single cell layer, and that's your whole protective structure to prevent atherosclerosis. Mm -hmm. But as you've just described, there's myriad inflammatory markers, myriad damages and deleterious effects that occur that open up your arteries to damage. Mm -hmm. Independent of the LDL vector and of course hyperinsulinemia hyperglycemia and inflammatory drivers autoimmune as well they all act and they're probably the biggest Pareto or the biggest part of the problem and the LDL being drawn in is a part of the problem but it it may actually be the lesser part or the more secondary effect we're not we're not hitting the big drivers well mm. here's here's a question that I've asked multiple colleagues of my interventional cardiologists um, and I asked them when was the last time that you treated a heart attack on somebody whose only risk factor was having high LDL? Crickets. Yeah. I mean, bottom line, I mean, and, and we can avoid the familiar hypercholesterolemia, which, I mean, they're even zebras. I mean, it's not something that we see very often. But the fact is, if LDL alone is such a bad thing, well, why aren't we seeing patients with that being their only issue. No, it always comes with a myriad of problems. So, mm. once again, I mean... Uh, and even, Christian, if you, if you tie it back to, as you say, hyperinsulinemia being a big player, not the only player, mm. it's a big player, but we pretty much know now that, especially in younger men, uh, where LDL is a better predictor of future events, high LDL mm. in younger men, it's not so good a predictor at all in older mm. or women, but in younger men, hyperinsulinemia and metabolic syndrome can actually drive cholesterol synthesis and drive up the LDL. So the LDL is a sign of deeper problems sure. rather than the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, and, and we, when we start doing just PubMed research on hyperinsulinemia, there's very interesting data out there. I mean, there's even a, I mean, publications saying hyperinsulinemia with, I mean, related to cardiovascular events. I mean, simple as that. I mean, you have high insulin, you have increased cardiovascular events. There's a very interesting study from 1961 in which they were injecting insulin to dogs in one leg uh, for a couple of weeks, and then the other leg was only getting normal saline. Mm -hmm. The leg that I was actually getting the insulin, therefore a, a state of hyperinsulinemia, 
atherosclerotic plaque, fatty acid deposition, I mean, cholesterol deposition. I mean, in the other leg, nothing. <laughs> now, of course, you cannot do that in a human, but I mean, it, it, it shows you something pretty strong mm. about it. I yeah. mean, and that is from 1961. Where, where is this research? Why, 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 isn't, why aren't we paying more attention to it? Yeah. Well, know. perhaps you could put your money where your mouth is, Christian, though, and you go ahead and do that experiment on yourself. Yeah, right? I'll pass, <laughs> but thank you. <laughs> you get a nice uh, atherosclerotic <laughs> leg. But yeah, no, that is the 60s. And it, there's these amazing papers over the last 50 years that prove the point. But you're right, they're kind of ignored because there's no way of tackling with a drug or a good pharmaceutical or a good solution. And therefore, no one really is interested so much. An interesting one I put in my talk yesterday actually was a recent one, Goodmander uh, sent me from Iceland, a doctor over there, a pal of mine. And I hadn't seen this one before, mm. 2004, incredible. The high LDL people up at 160, over 160, average of 180, 190 milligrams, mm. huge LDL. But they had the exact same mortality curve and cardiovascular mortality as the low LDL guys. There was no effect with super high LDL. However, when they had super high LDL, but they had high transferrin saturation or iron metabolism issues, then the high LDL people did have a much worse outcome. And it was proposed that iron oxidizing LDL particles and metabolic syndrome driving iron dis or metabolism. But we also have that data for ferritin and of course yeah. for insulin resistance. All of these real causes, when you combine them with high LDL, may be worse outcomes. But what's driving the bus? It's behind LDL. It's all of these metabolic derangements. Well, ferritin, I mean, again, it, it could be a marker for inflammation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, it, it does, everything starts pointing towards that there has to be a, a disruption in the endothelium. And if you pile that up with inflammation, then you could be having, an, and I mean, then you're having apoptosis also there. Mm. I mean, there's multiple things that play or that we can. I mean, it's like it surrogates, I, I understand, but everything is playing a role in, in plaque. I mean, from inflammation, from, from apoptosis, from uh, smooth muscle cells being thickened, and then they, the, the cells start spreading, therefore mm. permitting more inflammation. And well, LDL resilience, and, and, and it basically facilitates the um, passage for, for, well, the nightmare that we see. I mean, yeah, exactly. And even one thing I learned relatively recently ties directly into what you say, that the LDL doesn't willy-nilly just come through between the endothelial <laughs> cells. It's transcytosis. It's brought into the endothelial cell, engulfed in a vacuole, brought across with signaling to the other side of the endothelium and popped out into the wall. Now that's an evolution designed, highly complex process evolved. And yes, transcytosis goes up when you have all these other problems. So you could say, it would make sense, much more sense, that all of these metabolic problems you describe mm. and the smooth muscle cells, inflammatory, they actually drive and signal to bring in LDL. So now, where is LDL as a dangerous toxic molecule? The system is actually drawing in LDL as a response to injury which is quite fascinating. You could watch, look at the LDL as more a responding factor than a factor that's hammering your arteries. It could be, I mean, Dr. yeah, Dr. Ali spoke about that <coughs> yesterday. I mean, mm. my knowledge to that hypothesis, I mean, is limited, is right. what, what I learned yesterday. 
Is it possible? Yes. You know what? I mean, I, I think anything is possible. Mm. Meaning, my way of recommending things is very different. My, the knowledge that I have from what I graduated with is the things that I've going back to the research, me reading the publications, and then making up some conclusions from the data. And I mm. think the whole medical community is finding well, some, some alarming things that in, 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 in discrepancies between what we were taught and what works. For example, if, you, if somebody came to my clinic two years ago and told me that they wanted to do a ketogenic, low-carb diet because they wanted to reverse all these things, I would say, you know what, you're crazy. It's not going to work. I mean, shoo. And that is completely the opposite of what I do now. I mean, as an interventional cardiologist, I am re getting referrals for 24-year-old patients for lifestyle modifications. It's like um, some difference, 100%. Mm. And um, it's and the, the the reason why I say is we we need to rethink the things. And and when we start digesting all the information and apply it to the why the reason why we do things, I would ask my colleagues, when was the last time that you were able to reverse disease with medications? My patients came over and over with a lunch box, 20, 25 medications. Nobody says anything. Nobody's, well, my doctor just increased me with his medication. They did this, they did that. And, uh, but somebody says low carb keto or um, fasting and the medical community goes crazy or other people just, I mean. It, uh, it is a bizarre double standard, yeah, that you've got something with so much positive evidence growing for decades ago, but also growing every year now. But it's kind of shunned because it's not a proper intervention. It's not medicine. No. It's a funny diet. But in terms of reversal, you just mentioned reversal, and that's becoming quite topical. <clears throat> reversal of heart disease. Now, F Dr. Faisal, on the first day of the Low Carb Houston Conference, spoke on coronary calcium yeah. scanning. And I know you're a big proponent. So we're seeing now a lot of evidence of reversal of soft plaque and perhaps even heart calcification. Okay. Um, so what do you think of A, the coronary calcium scan to clarify who is really diseased and not and, and get away from the proxies and B the idea of, of working towards reversal with diet and lifestyle it's like I mean everything I mean some people have access to the calcium score very easily and they request it I mean uh, sometimes I mean if we go by guidelines and things we need to give the patient the reassurance so depending on risk factors family risk factors is there early history of uh, coronary disease of heart attacks in the family I mean somebody that has a, a fa father in 40s having a heart attack that is definitely somebody that in, in my book is gonna get a calcium score I mean I want to know even though you tell me you're healthy I mean I want to see what's going on in addition to a sets of labs I mean it's it's a it's hundred bucks so, I mean, I don't, and, but I, I do have some, some people here coming to me and saying that um, they, they cannot order it or that the physician is having some issues. It's not something that I've encountered. But um, there's other scenarios in which, uh, for example, uh, people that are on a statin therapy and they want to stop at statin therapy. So, I mean, we need to get the research and make a uh, decision as a team. So, if the guy wants to stop completely a statin, I mean, if we go by, by, by the research and publications, I mean, if, if you're below 100 or you're in zero, then I mean, I feel far more if you're metabolically healthy to, I mean, I, I feel more strongly about, okay, if you don't want to take the statin, it's okay. But if it's somebody that has a calcium score of 400 and is metabolic broken and already had a cardiovascular event, 
I mean, uh, I'm not a stat and denier. I'm not a, I mean, a proponent. I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle. And mm -hmm. what I do is I have a discussion with my patients. And sometimes they want to decrease their LDL um, in, in different manners, uh, red yeast. I mean, I have had patients that they, they go for a more pescatarian keto uh, mm -hmm. with more wild-caught salmon and red yeast. And I have decreased their LDL from 200 to 103 months. Hey everyone, Ivor Cummins here, aka The Fat Emperor, and we're bringing you another free podcast for your enjoyment. We only ask one thing, if you could go to ihda.ie, the website, and scroll down to the bottom of the homepage and share using the social media buttons. So this podcast is kept free by being funded by Irish Heart Disease Awareness. So we really need you to pause the video, Hop on to IHDA.ie and help us get the message out there on the calcification scan for middle risk people. So, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm open to the possibilities and, and I think the key is speaking with the patients, talking about risk versus benefits, and then making a decision as a team. It's not, you take it because I say so. No, that doesn't fly. I mean, we need to, to, to have that conversation. Yeah, and I think that's that's a great point, Christian. Uh, in the UK, the doctors I know, and Asim Malhatra, the cardiologist, it's shared decision making. So you present the evidence from the trials, mm -hmm. the amount of risk reduction you can expect, the number who are who get a risk reduction out of the number treated, and um, basically give the information to the patient, and that engages the patient yeah. and probably makes them more willing to follow the excellent lifestyle advice that you're giving them yeah. because it's a package. So, yeah, I really like that concept. And the calcium score, of course, we know for middle risk people, maybe with a family history, maybe not, the middle riskers who are the majority from the algorithm, 60 to 70% of those guys can go into high or low just when they do a scan and they get the results. So for an engineer, it's so attractive. We find the really dangerous guys, we find the safe guys yeah. and they can relax. Exactly. It stratifies beautifully, yeah. So. I, I think with the new 2018 guidelines last year, though, a huge movement to 2A evidence level rating, mm -hmm. we're going to see, and those papers you mentioned, that below 100 calcium score, statin appears to give no real benefit mm -hmm. in 10 years. Above 100, substantial benefit. I think we're going to see a lot more use of it. Yeah. And it's focusing, I mean, if, if we want to reduce and we're focusing, okay, I, I want to reduce your LDL because I, my goal is to reduce your chances of having a cardiovascular event, then we cannot ignore that, well, just like I want to reduce your LDL, I want to reduce your triglycerides, I want to reduce your insulin, I want to reduce your hyperglycemia, I want to remove your blood pressure, I want to make you more active, I want to reduce uh, inflammation. I mean, there's so many factors in, and the question is, well, medications, well, no, medications are not going to do that. Lifestyle will. And yeah. There's tons of research regarding even the use of sauna, meditation, uh, adequate sleep is key in insulin resistance. And many of us, we are stressed, we don't sleep well, and then what we get, we get ambient, we get a, a medication to sleep supposedly, but that is not helping us with our deep sleep or anything like that. So mm. we get medications to try and fix something that is affecting us, but we're just getting Mm. Poor sleep. I mean, we're not really getting the restorative sleep that we would want, uh, mm. like in that aspect, by, by taking something like Ambien. Yeah. And you start getting cravings for the crap food that we should not be eating. Mm. So, uh, it's, it's, once you start looking at it and you just get a bird's eye view, we can see that there's many different interventions by lifestyle that can impact the five 
variables of metabolic syndrome. And we can go with, with fasting, low carb, keto. We can go with um, uh, adequate sleep or uh, episode of uh, high intensity interval training or different exercises, sauna, sleep, um, and meditation. All of them, tremendous research. And probably synergistic too. Exactly. So more than the sum of their parts. So the patients really need to understand you, do, you don't really pick from a menu. You've kind of got to apply all the menu items together. Yeah. That's sort of the big bang for the book. Absolutely. And I know Dr. William Davis, a cardiologist, had him on the podcast and he feels so strongly on synergy that if you just get someone to improve their sleep or just go lower on carb, you're not going to see a major result in a trial. Yeah. His trial in 2009 where he showed half the people reversed their calcification, the other half, most of them, slowed the progression and he gets no repeat heart attacks with these types of people. He did fish oil, vitamin D, there was sleep counseling, he did a mild statin and he did magnesium. So he put together a, a lot of key supplements into okay. a synergistic kind of bullet uh, and it worked so I myself and Dr. Gerber we have the four S's reminds me it's sun sleep stress and supplements just to remember the non-low carb non-exercise things those, those four sauna we didn't have in but I'm hearing more and more about the benefits you go and you go PubMed, you're gonna find research from 23 years ago yeah. and literally it targets everything from insulin resistance to blood pressure to inflammation I mean the research is there from the Japanese and it, the research from from Finland and it's pretty hard to ignore I mean yeah. it's, it's pretty dramatic uh, yeah. uh, changes and the physiology is there and just for clarity, these are essentially randomized controlled trials. These are these are trials rather than mechanistic studies suggesting benefits. Some of them are. Some I of mean, them some are. are yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. I, but we we get what we have, and yeah. at the end of the road, I mean, even for heart failure patients, it it I mean, there's trials of sauna and improvement on heart failure patients. I mean, who mm -hmm. on earth prescribes that? Nobody. But we are always very easy at prescribing. So we need to consider something that is not coming in a pill something that can actually make you feel pretty good when, when you go there. Of course, I mean, there's, 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 I mean, this is not medical advice, but the point is that you, I mean, if you're gonna try it, you try different temperatures, maybe five minutes, see how you feel and start taking it from there. Me personally, what I do is I do 20 minutes now in the sauna from 160 to 180 Fahrenheit, but I meditate at the same time. Uh, so it's two birds, one stone. I mean, now mm -hmm. in addition, if you do, I mean, sauna, there's even uh, studies out there showing how you get uh, a significant increase in growth hormone production. So, oh, good. hey, you went to the gym, you, you finish your workout with a, with a sauna and meditation. I mean, do I have research? No, but I, there's publications. Is it going to harm me? No, and mm -hmm. I feel amazing. So it's, it's getting this type of data and we can, I mean, we can apply it to patients and um, mm -hmm. it's, it's all healthy lifestyle. Yeah. And gym membership generally around the world has fallen in price. There's a lot of availability, so it's not too hard to access. You don't have to be a wealthy person to access these things. You don't need to be a wealthy person to eat low-carb keto. I mean, organ meats cost almost nothing, and they're most nutrient for dense. Yeah, yeah, and then the high-fat mints, which is arguably much healthier than the very lean stuff mm. for many people, uh, that can be a non-premium, quite cheap product per kilogram or pound. So I think a clever low-carb, another thing I love is that eggs are relatively priced low, even free-range, because of the scare of cholesterol. Eggs are not really a premium product, and they are nutrient bombs. So all these great things. There's yeah. a funny article. I don't know if you saw in the New England Journal of Medicine, a guy that uh, actually was eating 20, I mean, 25 eggs per day for 20 years and yep. cholesterol 
nothing. Which, I mean, in medicine, yeah. it's like, it's a uh, the hokey pokey. You put your left foot in, left foot out. I mean, it's <laughs> like, coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. Coffee's good for you. Coffee's bad for you. I mean, and, and we go with that with eggs. Eggs are good. Eggs are bad. Eggs are good. Eggs, I mean, eggs, make up yeah. your mind. I, so everyone is utterly confused and now we, <laughs> we, we it is true and now we've got low carb keto is good we've even got a carnivore movement but on the other side vegans are saying that meat will kill you and vegan is the best thing so the man or woman in the street it, there's absolute snowstorm and our academics and doctors at the top level like you say coffee's good coffee's bad oh. new study it's madness people i think need to do their own research carefully and find people who they trust who can yeah. do it on their for behalf me, the right mm. for somebody telling somebody how to eat ends when the right for that individual starts to decide on what he eats shut yeah. the hell up it pisses mm. me off so okay. the, the point here is if i try with something with mexican culture mm. mccallan mccallan is practically mexico if i try to convince somebody of those guys Tweet vegan in a vegetarian way. You think I'm going to have luck? <laughs> no, impossible. It will not happen, not with that culture. So now I'm open to any way of eating that you want. You want to be a pescatarian, you want to be vegan, you want to do whatever you want. Mm. I mean, there are very healthy ways to apply it to your, uh, to your yes. life and improve. Yeah. And we focus on, or I focus on, what is the most likely way I'm going to get you to follow a proper lifestyle, not for a couple of weeks, but for the rest of your life. Mm. Now, if you tell me, I've had patients, one, that he's like, you know what? I don't want to eat meat. Fantastic. I'm with you and let's formulate a vegan vegetarian diet. Yep. And fine, I have no problem. But trying to convince somebody that has a Mexican culture not eating meat, Good luck with that one. Carne asada and leaving that behind, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Very good point. Absolutely, it is in the individual. And as you say, if they have personal ideologies about animals, there's a way to construct a keto-type vegan diet. And of course, supplements are important for nutrients you may be low on, mm -hmm. but it can be constructed. And you know, vegetarian diets, in terms of attacking heart disease, Esselstein and, and Ornish and these guys, there is some truth in that. If people switch from a standard American diet to a relatively low-calorie, yeah. uh, starving, diet with very low fat you can actually achieve insulin sensitivity so it's not what I'd choose ever but it, it can be made to work 100%. once people are well informed and clever about it yeah. or they have a great doctor like yourself advising well, thank them. you isn't that right well if you say so thank you <laughs> excellent listen I know you got to go back to your panel Christian so uh, great to meet you finally likewise Lovely. pleasure cheers alrighty uh, just one a quick last thing, we're always looking for people to help uh, share IHDA.ie, the website, and down the bottom of the homepage you've got share buttons, and also sign up to thefatemperor.com, subscribe, because we are finding it's very hard to get the right information out there, and increasingly I think search engines and others are optimized for more orthodox medical advice perhaps, yeah. so uh, great if you can help get the message out, thank you. Thanks for tuning in guys. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see my subscribe button in the middle of the screen, a free viewing of the Widowmaker movie on the far right, and myself and Dr. Gerber's book, Eat Rich, Live Long, on the left. Otherwise, please do subscribe to the audio podcast. Thanks.